Welcome to episode number 15 of the Practical Ed Tech Podcast. In this episode, I talked with Mike Tolson, who is a product manager at Microsoft, working on Immersive Reader and some other fantastic accessibility tools for students. I enjoyed the conversation, and I hope that you do as well. And please check out the show notes for some of the links that we talked about in the podcast. So welcome. Today I'm joined by Mike Tolson, who is the product manager for Microsoft EDU, uh, focusing a lot on Immersive Reader. You've probably heard me mention him on the podcast before, uh, talking about Immersive Reader, and here he is live today, or recorded today. Mike, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me on your show. No, thanks for doing it. So uh, I'm going to start you off with something you just tweeted in the last 24 hours that I thought was interesting. TikTok in math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had a little interest, an interesting tweet about TikTok in math and OneNote. What was that all about? Yeah, well, I, I got to claim I'm not a TikTok expert. My daughter talks about it a bit. But TikTok is this platform that's gotten really popular, especially with younger kids. It's kind of a social media karaoke, make 10-second little clips of stuff. And someone had made a little TikTok video of OneNote, and they were doing the OneNote math solver, and they were actually solving a math equation, and they were adding, I think it was their own little, I don't know if it was a beatbox or just a little, as they were solving the math equation. Which, you know, it was entertaining, but what's interesting is that that had a million views on TikTok. So like a million people watched this guy use the OneNote math solver with his own little sort of vocal inflections going along at the same time. So I thought that was interesting. That's a great, it's amazing to me what people will watch uh, or what, what yeah. takes off on TikTok. And yeah, uh, I have a TikTok account. I have nine followers. Um, <laughs> And all the videos are videos yeah. I've made in homeroom with my freshmen. So I will not have a million views. But uh, yeah, I thought that yeah. was an interesting thing. So you you are the product manager for, micro, for Microsoft EDU. And you spend a lot of time with Immersive Reader. Uh, yeah. Listeners have heard me talk about Immersive Reader in the past. But really, if uh, to, to summarize Immersive Reader, if I said to you, Immersive Reader is for X, what would X be? X would be human beings who want or need some assistance with reading. Okay. That's like the very in, simple version. Yeah, <laughs> and it's available in how many products now? So many. Uh, it keeps. It seems like yeah. every week. Well, I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah, it started out just as part of Microsoft Office products, so places like Word and OneNote, Teams, Flipgrid, Outlook, and a few other places. But then, actually, actually, more recently, I should add, it's just rolling out in Microsoft Forms literally this week, and it's also in places like Minecraft, so in many different Microsoft products. But what we did this summer was we had an announcement that now any third party, meaning any other app or platform or nonprofit that exists in the world, can integrate that immersive reader as well into their app or platform. So way beyond just Microsoft. So for example, this week, or I guess it was last week, 
a Canvas, very popular LMS, yeah. Nearpod, they both announced integrations, but it's already in other apps like Wakelet and Buncee and Thinglink and uh, apps like Obot and uh, Mindsets Learning and Wonderopolis, which is a really popular nonprofit. And so more and more and more apps and platforms have been starting to integrate the immersive reader into their content to make their content more universally accessible, by the way to think about it. And, and so uh, in a nutshell for people who haven't seen immersive reader or tried it yet, it will read aloud the page, the text on a page. Uh, one yeah. of the things I always point out to people is it is smart about the text it reads aloud, meaning it doesn't necessarily read things that don't need to be read. I guess that's probably the best way to say it. Uh, like there's some text to speech, you know, Chrome extensions out there that will read like all manner of nonsense. that's not relevant. Uh, but Immersive Reader doesn't do that. And uh, it's available in PowerPoint, is that right? Still available in PowerPoint? It is not in PowerPoint yet. We're hoping in the future at some point. Um, but yeah, like you had mentioned, so one of the key features obviously is read aloud and it has also word and line highlighting. So it highlights the words and the line subtly as you're reading to help focusing. But it also has a lot of other capabilities. So it has things like being able to change the background color you can reduce visual crowding with spacing features that can increase spacing for lines, letters, and words. We can break words into syllables with a single click, which is really great for not only people with dyslexia, but it's early readers or people who maybe don't read the native language and need to help breaking, you know, if I'm looking at a word in German, I'm going to need those syllable breaks likely. Um, highlighting different nouns and verbs and adjectives, so parts of speech highlighting. And then also things that help with focusing. So line focus, which can help focus the eyes. So that can not only, it's kind of like a reading ruler where teachers would cut out a little rectangle and cover up the page so a student would just look at a single line or two at a time. So we have a digital version of that. And then the probably the two of the most popular ones are the picture dictionary. So clicking on words and seeing a picture representation. And then the ability to translate. So we can translate words or entire documents and everything switches. So not only does the text change, the read aloud voice changes, the syllables, the parts of speech, all those aspects will change in real time when you use that translate feature. So we brought those all into one tool that can, you can use one or five or all of those features all at the same time and it's up to you to personalize in a way that works best. Yeah, and so one of the really cool things I've, I saw you do probably last year at the Bet Show in London, was during your presentation, your presentation was available to people in a variety of languages, even though you were speaking in English and your slides themselves were in English, although your slides didn't have a whole lot of words on them. Uh, but the rest of the presentation was available to people in whatever language. So how does that happen? And that's a great, well, that's yeah, a great, the, that's the a great little tool for those is, things like open house night. Yeah, so it's actually, so that's something, it's PowerPoint and Microsoft Translator technology kind of combined together. So for example, with what I was using was PowerPoint live captioning and translation, yeah. but it all uses the yeah. same technology, which is real-time translation. So I was presenting at BET where I had a little cat bar on the bottom, and I think I had chosen Spanish, but you can choose up to 60 languages. So I'm speaking English. It's real-time captioning those words on the bottom, but it's translating those into Spanish in real-time. And so 
that's really powerful. But to the parent part that you mentioned, where it gets even more powerful is with Microsoft Translator. And that is also, it's a free app that you can have on your iPhone or Android or in the web. And what that allows me to do as an uh, educator or a school administrator, I can say, let's say I set my language to English and I create a join code. So it's a little free app, creates a join code or a QR code. So anyone in the audience or anyone at that school night who might speak a different language, because oftentimes the parents might not speak the native language of that country necessarily. And so that allows me then to take my device, my phone or Android or iPhone or whatnot, and join up to that session, that little join code. So now I can stream whatever Mike is saying into maybe I speak Vietnamese or Spanish or Arabic or Chinese. It streams to me in the language I choose on my phone. So maybe it chose Vietnamese. And when I communicate and I text back or I talk back, it goes back to Mike in this case in Mike's language of choice, which is English. So it's like a multi-directional Star Trekian <laughs> uh, <laughs> translation of what goes back in all directions, a universal translator, but with multiple people. And it's, it's pretty amazing how it engages the parents in this case. It can engage the parent community like no other way. Yeah, I, I, would, I always picture it kind of like those old pictures of the, of the UN meetings where everyone's wearing their, their little headsets yeah. and everything's getting translated in real time as, you know, as quickly as humans could. Side note, my mother, when she was a child, wanted to be a UN translator. She, that's what, oh. so I'm always kind of fascinated by this anyway. Uh, yeah. So that, but the engagement what, levels have gone up in many cases. We've talked to school districts where they're using this technology not only for a parent night, but for parent-teacher conferences where just a single device, you can go back and forth. And they said that the parental and community engagement levels have gone through the roof with their non-native speakers. So, and that, we know that when you engage parents, that student outcomes improve that's just there's research on that and from a personal note i actually used it this summer uh when i was at a wedding where a large percentage of the uh wedding uh, attendees not a party i guess it's a different term but uh the attendees spoke vietnamese actually so vietnamese Ooh, just wow. uh, coincidentally and out in out, out in seattle uh instead of wedding in seattle and, uh so yeah, so that so I've actually used it myself and in Vietnamese. This is not even a plant. It just worked out really well. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, because I've got it on my phone. Uh, so I'm always curious, and I, and I think a lot of teachers who are in the classroom but are dabbling in uh, educational technology or you know looking at other you know, career avenues out through educational technology. What's a day look like for you and your, your role as product manager? Uh, what, do you, what do you do? Yeah, that's a good question. I do lots of different things, which I kind of like. So it's a very uh, multidimensional role. So uh, one thing I do is I work directly with the, so there's three primary disciplines on a product team. There's the product management, where product manager is me. There's engineers that can write the code. And then there's designers. And so I work very closely with our engineers and designers on just the day-to-day, -day, like what we're building, uh, how are things coming along, and, and, and that aspect. That's like the day-to-day -day creation of the product. But in terms of, uh, I would say one of the, the key roles that we do in the product manager side is we work with lots of different, in education, lots of teachers and students and schools and partners to really understand the pain points and and what are the types of things and the problems we could solve 
to help make life easier for a teacher or a student or a staff member. And then I take a lot of the information and help brainstorm ways that we could solve those problems. And I work with the designers and we figure out, okay, what could we build? And then there's what should we build? And then there's the order and priority because, you know, obviously we could build infinite number of things, but a lot of it is figuring out the roadmap and the, the sort of the ordering and the why we should build these things and, and then sort of iterate and we create early ideas and concepts. And we often will, I will work with educators to get feedback on this very early prototypes that are maybe just PowerPoint slides or pieces of paper before we build the thing. So iterating on like, okay, we could build this and how would this operate and why should we build it this way and how could we improve it? So there's a lot of those early iterations. Uh, and then again, when we actually get it into our, what we call a backlog, that's the order of, that's what we're gonna build. And then we go through and we sort of iterate and improve and then we'll put it out to early customers, get more feedback and iterate. So a, a lot of that. And then I also might work with partner teams and other you know, ed tech apps out there, like with the immersive reader, I'm working with lots of different partners on uh, how would we integrate this and what does that mean and how would that make sense? So that's uh, sort of a mix of things there. A lot of customer and partner contact though uh, on my end. So from a, you, I, I know you go out and you, you talk to schools a lot of, or you talk to teachers and educators a lot. Uh, so from the time that, you know, you, you decide, okay, enough teachers have said to us, we want feature X or it'd be really great if you could solve this problem for us. What's that timeline look like? You know, if someone says, I, I want Immersive Reader to be in PowerPoint or I want Immersive Reader to be <laughs> in uh, you know, Pick a Product. What, what's that timeline look like? And I know there's probably a lot of other teams you have to work with within Microsoft, but what, what's the yeah. typical timeline for that look like for you? Yeah, well, I, that one, I don't know if there's a universal answer. It depends is obviously the answer. But I think what's interesting is, so if it's, it's, if it's more of a adding a new widget or enhancing something that kind of exists already, the timeline might be a few months. If it's a brand new concept that doesn't exist and we have to iterate a lot and we have to create new technology around it, it could take a year or, or even more in some cases. If it's an internal team, uh, that one has a definitely a, a, a variable answer because uh, some teams, it makes total sense to do that integration really soon because they have space in their backlog and it's also a high demand feature for various reasons on their end. And you know, it can be really quick. Like, the work with we did with Microsoft Forms was actually fairly quick, that integration. But there might be a team that's like, wow, this is really awesome, but we have this other really big thing that we're working on that we, we have to deliver for some other customers. Because sometimes they might have enterprise customers. They might not have as many education customers. And so then it becomes sort of this dance <laughs> or negotiation <laughs> of, okay, gosh, we'd really like to get this in. And you know, you have these timelines and how can we fit this in? or like they might not have the right technology to make it happen quickly. So it can depend is kind of the answer on that one. All right. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, all right. So I'll get you out of here on, on, on two last questions and neither one of them uh, are quick. I don't, well, maybe they are. We'll, we'll find out. So one of the things that I hear from teachers all the time when it comes to making a switch from you know, a different environment into a Microsoft environment is there are so, there are often a few variations on the product, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like OneNote, for example, there's a few variations on on OneNote. What's your advice for someone who's coming from a different environment into 
a Microsoft environment and wants to get on board and get up to speed as quickly as possible with, let's say, OneNote? Well, I, uh, when you say a different environment, should I assume that's a Google environment? It could, be, Apple it could environment? be a Google environment or it could be an environment where I it's think just it's a like, for example, things. Yeah, I mean, for example, if they're used to a Google web-only environment, Actually, our web apps are a great and easy place to start because it's, it's in the web. The interface is the same on any device. You, you know, if you're used to Google, uh, it's easy. You know, the word web app co-authors the same way Google does. It has uh, almost all the same features, has maybe some additions, some subtractions. But, you know, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, and Outlook in the web, if you come from a Google world, I think it's pretty easy to jump over. And we have some other things like Sway, and, and we have Microsoft Teams, which is a newer thing. Um, if you're moving to a, like, here's an example. If you say, wow, I'm a big believer in the power of digital ink, which I am personally because it solves so many other STEM scenarios that just a web browser can't do very well. Uh, if you're moving to a digital ink environment, I would say, you know what, hey, the, the OneNote app on, on Windows is really powerful for, for digital ink and it has some capabilities that, you know, ink in the web is not so great right now in general. Like a lot of the web browsers don't support it. Um, so that one would depend on the, like what scenario you're looking for. If you're looking to go ink heavy, because a lot of schools, when they if they've never used ink and moved to that digital ink, it's it's quite compelling. Like they can start to do all these new things in all sorts of math and science and STEM that they probably couldn't do before. And even with students taking notes, the the options get much richer when you have that digital inking. So in that sense, I'd say you know. I would go with the Windows version of OneNote because the, the inking capabilities are really powerful. So it, I guess it kind of depends on, on what you're looking for, but I think the simplest answer, if you're just looking for simplicity and it looks the same everywhere and works the same way, is just try the web first. Like Teams in the web works really well. It's fully supported. We have everything we need. Uh, all the Office web apps, things like Sway are in the web. So that's probably my, my short answer. We are trying to make sure that we bring as many capabilities to each of the platforms as possible. Um, I think web was lacking for a couple of years, but we've been slowly adding quite a few things to our web apps. So there's people who tried the web apps like five years ago that might have that old impression in their head, like, oh yeah, those web apps uh, aren't as good. But man, the, the current state of the web in, in Office 365 is it's pretty rocking, I'd say. <laughs> And I, and I like and speaking of the web app, I like the uh, the presenter coach. It's available in PowerPoint. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Super cool. And that's web only right now. Like we'll bring it other places, but we're bringing these things to the web first because we can get it out there quickest. You never realize how many times you say um until you turn on presenter coach. Yeah. Or if you're like me, how fast you talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So the, I'll get you. I'll get you out out of here on this one. Uh, so if someone's listening to this and they're saying, my gosh, I want to get immersive, you know, this sounds great. I want to get immersive reader. Mm -hmm. I, how do I get it for all of my students in my you know, ninth grade reading class or my fourth grade ELA class, whatever it is, where do, where do I go to get started? Yeah. So we've actually, good question. We've just put a brand new site up that is like the ultimate site for immersive reader that has everything. It's got all the apps and platforms. It has the deep dive training video by me and another woman. Uh, it's got the research behind the immersive reader. There's a lot of science and research. So the link is HTTP and it's AKA dot MS forward slash all about immersive reader. 
So I'll say it again. It's aka.ms forward slash all about immersive reader. Yeah. And, and that I'll is link, our one-stop shop. Yeah, we've even actually, we just added on that site, there's also a link to interactive training. So we even just launched a little interactive guide. I don't know if you've seen it, Richard. I'll paint no, it to you. It's like an interactive click-through that feels like you're using the immersive reader, but it's designed for teachers to like really click through the different components and learn about it and, and try it themselves in a very safe sandbox playground kind of way. Awesome. And that's also linked out on that all about immersive reader. And that, that sounds great. So again, for anyone who is listening to this and you're driving your car and you want to know where do I get this, I'll link it up in the show notes, but it's also aka.ms slash all about immersive reader. And that's linked up in the show notes so that you can get that. And you can find Mike on Twitter. He's very active on Twitter. He'll send you a TikTok video of people doing math or other really interesting things. Uh, he has his uh, a, a paperly, is it paperly used? Paperly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's paperly that he uh, has a bunch of stories through and uh, it's always tweeting some interesting interesting things uh, on his Twitter account. So follow him on Twitter. And again, I'll link that up in the show notes as well. So thanks so much for taking the time today, Mike. And uh, I hope some people are going to try out Immersive Reader and some of the other tools that they may not have uh, heard about from Microsoft before. Thanks. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's been great. Anytime.